Welcome to the Business Sphere. On this podcast, we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are. John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges. We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. My guest today is Chris Michael Harris. He's a founder of Startup U, host of Startup U podcast and a speaker performance coach. Chris has founded Bootstrap and scaled multiple businesses, and now he helps business owners tap into their own potential. Thanks for joining me today, Chris. John, man, I'm happy to be here. Let's do it. Yeah, so I'm excited because I know you mentioned earlier before uh, we started that Toronto's on your bucket list. So come visit. I wanted to just start off with tell us a little bit more about your journey to where you got to now. So maybe go as far back as you would like, but share with the audience members what got you triggered to entrepreneurship. Yeah, so I, I say this a lot, and, and for people that are maybe wondering if entrepreneurship is for them, or you know, I, I see a pattern, and I had this pattern as well, and maybe you've had this pattern too, John. But uh, as I inter- interviewed people, I saw that everybody was either detailing cars or doing lawn care or something when they were young, right? Like that's just a, a commonality we all have. We all had side hustles when we were in grade school or middle school or whatever, and that was very much true for me, right? I was always doing things outside of the hour for pay model. Now. The thing is, entrepreneurship as a career at that time, and we're talking even the last five, six years, it's only become mainstream, right? Like people are putting entrepreneur on their Instagram bio, and now I'm an entrepreneur, right? But, but it wasn't mainstream 10 years ago when I was getting started. So anyways, um, I got to college and just kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do still. Like really confused. I had friends that had interviews and I'm a senior now, so it's time to get serious, Right. And, I, and I'm like all over the, I mean, I was less sure about what I wanted to do senior year of college than I was when I was like in seventh grade. I mean, it was really, so, so anyway, so I'm still defaulting to these side hustles and I have crazy stories, man, like flipping cars and clothes, went to New York the day after Black Friday and as a college kid, literally bought $43,000 worth of clothes with a friend of mine, flipped it on eBay within a matter of two weeks for $84,000. Like it was a crazy, like crazy middle of Manhattan, like nuts and parents didn't even know that I went and did it. So I've always been doing things that have led me in the direction of being a business owner, right? Providing for myself, thinking outside of nine to five. So going into senior year, as I mentioned, college, I, I saw my brother and I saw these two girls that were moving this big fold out sofa down a hallway that in the building we lived in, uh, in downtown Athens, Georgia. And I was just like, let's help them. This thing like they're really, it's obvious they were struggling. Like, and it's a long haul. Anyway, mom tips was like 50 bucks a piece. Right. And I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Like we've got something here. Let's just put a flyer up at the front leasing office. I'm not thinking it's a business. I'm just thinking it's a way to make money over the summer months, right? Between junior and senior year for me. Next thing you know, we made like eight to $10,000 over the next like 45 days, just moving people out of that one building, right? So anyways, so I go, I graduate, go off, get a quote unquote real job, traveling sales job. Brother continues that business, moving business just for college students expanded beyond that business. They do like $25,000 the next summer. I was funding. I was coming back on the weekends. I was like helping them pay for t-shirts and marketing. And they were pitching to their classmates and going to fraternity and sorority houses, stuff like that. Well, I'm really miserable in this job. Like realizing nine to five again, is just not for me. Knowing what I kind of always knew about myself, right? So I come back, take over that business full time. Didn't go to school to start a moving company. (laughs) I know it's not glamorous, right? Well, within the next 
probably 24 months from that point forward, if not less, maybe like 18 to 24, went from where we were, it's just the college side hustle to hitting $1.2 million in revenue with zero outside funding, doing business in 32 states, had hundreds of employees, uh, working with five of the seven major furniture manufacturers uh, in that industry because we went from just doing residential moves, which we did continue to do, but we were also then kind of the trend in student housing, and maybe it's still the case today, is fully furnished. So students show up to their apartment and all the furniture is already provided, right? The, the mattresses, the, the nightstands, the entertainment centers, uh, whatever, right? They just bring their clothes. So instead of bringing grandma's old oak furniture, which we were moving for them, right? Multiple times, I think the average turnover rate in college for apartment to apartment is one year and 80% of the buildings turn. So that's a lot of people moving around in those college summer months. Now we're, fight, we're playing on both ends. We're doing the installation work and we're doing the moving. And that was the big catalyst for growth because these are multi-$100,000 contracts. And in fact, the year that we hit 1.2, I actually turned away $2 million in businesses that year alone because we just had stretched. We were growing multiple. We grew 1,000% from year one to year two as a, as a full-time venture. <laughs> growth is fun, right? Making extra money, but you've got to have the bandwidth to be able to support that. So that was kind of like my first real official business. Uh, and now I've done a lot of different things. I'm involved in the tech space. I'm involved with online space, like what we're doing now. I have my own program with Startup U where you know, we help people kind of learn what I've learned through that journey, through that experience of starting that business and the other business ventures I've been involved with. Uh, so that's kind of me in a nutshell, man. That's awesome. I love uh, the story, right? Behind how you got started. So can you share with the audience members, what did you study in school? And also, um, were there people that um, pushed you to this I would say like side hustle, entrepreneurial kind of journey along the way, earlier years. Yeah. So a couple of things that immediately come to mind. Uh, what I studied uh, is funny because I had like an existential crisis. I was studying business at University of Georgia. And I just quickly felt that like they were teaching me how to work for somebody else. And I just didn't jive with that. I've always had a real like rebellious streak in me. Right. And I just really rebelled against that. So I literally just picked a degree. If I'm being totally candid with you, I literally just picked a degree that would allow me to do my side hustles and not be, not that it was the easiest degree, but one that I, I literally done. I was like, I don't care what the job would be. I just want to do something that interests me and like put everything else aside. Right. I don't recommend that for most people. I don't. In fact, if I could go back, no, if I didn't know what I wanted to do, I wouldn't have just gone to a school that was as prestigious and required as much time as University of Georgia did. Like it's a pre prestigious school. It's the number one public school in the state of Georgia. I would have gone to a school that's more of like catered towards commuters or catered towards people that like have a full-time job and they're doing college on the side. I would have stayed with something like that because that would have allowed me to kind of continue to explore what I really wanted to do. There was a major compromise for me and always this contentious point of, uh, of uh, internal conflict of, am I going to be a full-time student or am I going to go and hustle and flip this car today? And some of my teachers understood it and some of them would dock me. I'd get like an A or a B on the test, but I almost failed the class because of the attendance record, right? So that really, really hurt me. So something that if other people are in school and listen to this now, if you, if you don't know you want to be a doctor, attorney, you know, lawyer, whatever, uh, it's okay to not go to a big school and rack up a bunch of student loan debt if you don't know that just yet. So I just wanted to slide that in because that was, that would have been, that's, that's one thing I would have done very differently. As far as people that influenced me along the way, um, my dad always really pushed me. He's like, if you're not where, if you're not playing sports, you need to be making money. That was that was the negotiation, right? It's like if you're playing sports, that's cool, right? And 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 I did play sports, but he's like, if you're not, you got to be working. And so there's a constant push 
to be doing things to learn what he would say the value of a dollar. And that really benefited me a lot. So I was one of the only people in between fifth and sixth grade, so elementary school to, to middle school where I lived, um, that was doing anything to make money over the summer. When my friends were hanging out at the pool, he helped me get a credit card and I'm like out there mowing lawns and using the credit card to pay for the gas. Like, so I really was building my credit. I really was learning about how things worked and running a business and stuff like that. All those things were really valuable to me. And then the big mentor that I had, they kind of made me like push me over the edge, right? Of like, why are you really in school? Like, why are you doing this? Because it's obvious this, this isn't for you. Uh, was the guy I did the New York trip with. He was two years older than me, um, was, was just constantly always hustling, like always doing something hustling. And so that really normalized what I was doing because so many people weren't doing what I was doing. And I kind of felt like an outsider, like an outcast. And so seeing someone that was like two years ahead of me doing other things, a non-conventional route at that time uh, was what I needed, was the push that I needed to really just go for it. That's amazing to hear because, um, you know, it seemed like you had a good foundation. Your, your parents or your dad really guided you early of hard work and, you know, that dollar starting you up with credit and making sure that you understand, like, you got to earn that money. Right. right? Um, to then, you know, as you mature and you become more wise and you, you become more curious in terms of schooling and what you like and what you don't like, finding people that are different, that, you can really connect with on that level because there's a lot of people are comfortable. They're worried about, I guess, change. Yeah. So they become complacent. They do what is norm or what everyone else is doing. So they're right. Both, right? Um, and I like, I can kind of connect with you because I was different too. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I come from different culture, but you know, it, it was, ingrained in me to want to see what else was out there right and without knowing and i would fly and go travel and every time i came back everyone was doing the exact same thing right yet i came back with so much knowledge experience relationships people that i can connect with on different levels that everyone's still doing the same thing every single day week you know with the same people yeah right not expanding themselves in any way So I love hearing that too. And and there's big, something I thought of while you were saying what you were saying, and I think it's important to to notate for people that again, are maybe thinking about making a transition to starting a business. When you do those side hustles, when you're involved in in making money outside of the traditional means, right? Getting job and relying on employer for your income. You start to A, normalize the risk-taking. And then you realize that it was a preconceived notion to begin with. What do I mean by that? With a job, which is the quote unquote secure route to go, you have one client. If you don't serve that client to the full capacity or that client's not doing well, you lose income stream. As a business owner, as somebody that's doing other things outside of that, if you lose a single client, okay, well, you just, you probably have three or four more you can rely upon. And maybe you take a ding in terms of like your overall income coming in, right? But there's other means. So for me, going and doing things where we're flipping clothes in New York and Manhattan and making $40,000 over a course of two and a half weeks. That tells me I just made somebody's annual salary as a college kid in two and a half weeks. So it just starts to make you see things a little bit differently. And that experience, I don't think I would have had the courage to jump into starting my own business had I not seen the potential 
of really reverse engineering that risk and what it looks like. And I do this exercise, John, with, with my clients and my students all the time, where I say like, what's your revenue goal? What would you need to leave your job, right? To completely subsidize your income. And they're like, well, I have to make at least six figures, right? I, six figures is like the magic number, right? I'm like, okay, let's break that down. Six figures, let's divide that. Instead of just saying like, oh, the big holy grail of six figures, $100,000, right? Let's break that down. How much is it per month? How much is it per week? How much is it per day? And how much is it per hour? And oftentimes what you'll find is they need to make like three or four sales a day with their current unit cost of what they're selling, right? Three or four sales a day, 365 days a year. Now, obviously there's gonna be days you're not working on the weekends like that. So account for that too. But you're talking like maybe five to seven sales in some capacities or even less if you sell a high ticket offer. That's not outrageous, right? But we don't practically put things in our way to figure out a transition or a means of transitioning, right? To take away this big, hairy, scary thing in our mind about this perception of entrepreneurship being so risky, right? And so I'm glad to see that things are being normalized. People are playing around with things. They're playing around social media. They're, they're learning what it could possibly look like. They're seeing the opportunities and what their lives could be uh, because that didn't exist for like people like you and I probably when we were getting started. So I, I really like to see people do that. I think it really helps you uh, in that process, in that journey, take that first immediate kind of scary step. So do you feel like culturally, because you're in USA, I'm in Canada, mm-hmm. and the culture of education is really, really pushed on us. While in many places in the world, let it be Asia or Europe or Africa, everyone doesn't have, there's no social support system where you're reliant right. on making things happen to pay the bills and shelter and food here in, right. in North America, this holy grail of, you know, getting a nine to five, living a, a comfortable life while everyone else is like entrepreneurial, I would say, right. To then survive, to make a difference, to make, you know, understand mm-hmm. business. What are your thoughts around that? Because, you know, I, I look at here in Canada and us, we're, we're rich, right? Like uh, much more advanced in terms of technology, Yeah. much more advanced yeah. in terms of resources, accesses, information, and we can service the world, right? While they don't have that and yeah. therefore there's, you know, barriers to entry. Have you put a lot of thought into like how things work here versus there? Oh, for sure. I mean, we are the reason why we are what we are is because of this industrious spirit that we have. So I always tell people this, if if you live here or Canada or in the developed world, you've already won the lottery, like really and truly. And you should have a lot of pride in that because you have opportunities that many people, sure, I could sit here and say this all day about starting a business, but the reality of that is just not as true as it is for being here, right? Now, that all said, and I want to make sure this is the great equalizer in all of this is the internet, Right. You can be literally anywhere. So I'll give you an example. We, we employ, we have an entire team of people in the Philippines. I love our Philippines team. They're fantastic. In many cases, they're making three, four, five times what their friends, their counterparts make uh, working for us. They're working for an American company. And for us, it's a cost savings play because having full-time work and hiring that in the States would cost us a lot more than what it costs just due to the nature of the cost of living, you know, retro, you know, in comparison. But for them, they're making three, four times what their counterparts make. So it's, it's a huge opportunity. And you mentioned culture and you mentioned education. Again, I'm going to reference the internet because now 
you have the ability, unless you're in like a communist regime or communist country where you literally don't have access to the internet. And even then, I think it's kind of hard to kind of compress that and even resist people from being able to, to access that kind of information. You have the ability, and I always tell people this, I have a PhD in Wikipedia. And I, what I mean by that is I've learned a lot in school, right? But most of what I've done in my entrepreneurship career has been outside of that. If you're taking your education you know, at, from college, I actually think it's a detriment. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. I think it's a little bit of a detriment in some cases because the entire system of education that we have built is about you doing what I said before. It's about you going out and working for someone else and helping them further uh, providing utility to their business, right? And, and to a lot of way, in a lot of ways, I tell people, you're going to have to divorce your taskmaster because there's this whole notion of how you do things and how you succeed in the world. And it's, Here's your list of things you're supposed to do. If you do those things, you're going to get an A on the test and you're going to get a promotion at work. And that's not how it works in entrepreneurship. You may think that and you may be playing taskmaster in your business right now. And what happens is as your business grows or as your business ceases to grow, it might be because of this, that list gets longer and longer, right? There's more and more things you have to do. And moreover, even if you roll those things down, there's, there's an endless amount of things to do in a business. Endless, endless. And so you have to discern where is my time most valuable? What's the highest rate of return? Where's my highest level of impact on the things that I'm doing? Not just here's my list, I'm checking it twice, right? And so I, I, I want to I, I make sure that, yes, I agree. The culture is strong. We are very industrious and you've won the lottery for being here. But also too, if that wasn't your, your upbringing, if that wasn't your environment, because I know you have a global audience, don't necessarily think that you are operating at a disadvantage because you're not. And the internet is, is the, the great meritocracy, right? It provides democratized information and you can literally access anything you want, including this conversation right now to uplevel your life, to change your mindset and to do what you really want to do in the world. And I don't want to dismiss that because I think it's so profound and important. I totally agree. And like with the internet access to information um, at your fingertips on video, audio, written images, there's so many right. different formats, right? And if yeah. you're eager to learn, you got to go out and seek yeah. it. And the hardest part now is the discernment. It's, it's yeah. so much information. It's Too much. who do I listen to? What I see more often now is not people that are uneducated about what they should be doing. They know what they should be doing. It's a matter of they have too much stuff they're trying to do because they've learned from so many different directions in contradictory sources. Yes. And that's the really, really hard part is how do you discern and align yourself with an orthodox you are teaching that is best suited for you and your business pursuits. That's really tough. So it's very similar to medical, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of different diets and fads and yes. ways to improve your immunity and health. Yep. There's experts left, right, and center. Who yep. do you trust? It's and crazy, who do you man. really want to uh, you know, go with? Um, so same with business, same with finances, same with any aspect <laughs> of life, right? relationships, yeah. whatever hobbies, interests you have. There's so much information. Yeah. And then it's like all these niches, niche experts, yep. all these people that claim that they are thought leaders and experts in their own right. right. So yes, there's a lot of clutter out there. It's more trying to take it slow because if you do too much information overload, you're never going to get anywhere. Really yep. put your mind to it, focus and do it slowly, just like as a business owner, way too many ideas. What is the most urgent project that you work on that will move the needle the fastest? You know, might you might want to invest more time in, right? Um, right. So 
understanding all that, I mean, it's it's great to get your perspective. So learning about um, business and mm-hmm. let's go back to your journey, right? So running that business, um, moving business, did you exit or um, are you still owning it with your brother? No, no, we exited that business, uh, not by our choice. I actually, uh, we can get into this as much as you'd like to, but I actually got a pretty nasty health diagnosis. Uh, I was precancerous for colon cancer. And so uh, rather than go through the process of selling that business, because it is an arduous process to sell a business, we just opted to move on from that company. We had other things in the online space already working out. Anyway, it's a whole long convoluted story, uh, but effectively I had to put my health first because the doctors were like, look, based on your labs, you're not going to be around at 40 or 50 if you keep trending in this direction. So we did exit, leave that business and kind of just moved on from it. Uh, love it. The experience I gathered is invaluable and it helps me even today. Uh, but that's where we are with that business. So, and this is so critical for even business owners, understanding what you went through. As much as you're, you know, learning and working probably very hard, stress, your health is so important to ensure mm-hmm. that, you know, you're optimal in terms of food, diet, sleep, air, water, whatever you need for nutrition, right? And then understanding that once you are optimized in health, mind, and then that that journey of entrepreneurship will be optimal as well. Because if you're putting too much strain on chasing, you need to really have that balance. Like what has changed since that outcome for you? Yeah. So I think, well, going through the, the metaphor that I kind of broke down before about divorcing your taskmaster, that was so fundamental for me in making that transition because most people, what they'll do and what I did, if they're type A, specifically type A's and pretty much only type A's are people that start businesses, right? It's very rare. You see somebody that's not a type A that's running a business, unless they have a particular set of skills. Like they're really good at arts and crafts and things of that nature. And they want to like sell us on the internet instead of working for somebody else. I do see that like from time to time, but most of us are pretty type A. The problem is, is that you're going to attack that so ferociously. You're going to make your list and you're just going to crush it every day to your own detriment, especially if you're younger. If you're in your 20s and you feel invincible and largely probably believe you are because you can go out and get hammered and get up the next day and not even notice it. No hangover whatsoever, right? Like it, So you start to feel invincible. The, the problem is, is that that approach, there is a consequence at the end. I mean, I, dude, I was driving from... Uh, all over the, when we're doing those commercial installation projects, right. You know, doing the, 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 for the student housing apartments, it was not uncommon for me to, I think in a 10 day span, I drove for the distance from New York and LA and halfway back over the course of 10 days. I mean, I was red eyeing, I wasn't eating right. I wasn't doing the, and, and in my mind, the, the success, happiness, health, those were all destinations. It was, this is going to pay off one day. Uh, and then I can do those things. Then I can enjoy my, my, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and then we can go on vacations. Then we can. And the problem is, is that you have to realize entrepreneurship is not a career; it's a lifestyle. And what that means is you have to be fully immersed. And, and if you've already started a business, you know this. You don't clock in and clock out. You, it'd be awesome if you could do that, but things are going to be always, always prevalent. And if you have employees, they could call you any time of the day, or things happen, or your website goes down, and you can't predict those things. It's going to happen. So, what I've had to do is build. Fundamental habits, that's the first thing, right? What are the success habits that lead to the results that I'm desiring? Not just try hard, right? The first business, I just tried real hard, right? I just outworked everybody. And I thought that was my superpower. And to a large degree, it is an important aspect of what you do. I'm not going to dismiss hard work. It's important. It's, It's essential. It's an essential ingredient, but it can't stand alone. 
you got to have all these other things in place too. So you have to be educating yourself. So I say be a leader, L-I-T-R, it's an acronym. Learn, implement, test, and repeat, right? It's, an, it's a methodology you go through. It's first, and you said this before, identify what's the thing I need to work on in my business. And rather than jump to straight to implement, which is the I in the acronym, you need to first learn about that. What is the specialized knowledge that I need? You've got Think and Grow Rich behind you, so I'll reference specialized knowledge. What's the specialized knowledge that I need to accomplish this task, right? In a manner in which I don't have to repeat it 12 times and waste a bunch of time. How can I do it once or twice and then maybe build a system around it so I never have to deal with it again or hire it or outsource it or whatever, right? Then implement, right, after you've learned. But then on the final end of that is to test. So I've built this thing. I've built this system. I've worked on this thing. I'm not just going to set it and forget it. I need to make sure that I have measurables in place so I can make sure it's working so I can augment that. Because a lot of people, what they're doing, and just give one example of sales, right? Because usually that's what people are focused on. You may think I need more leads. That's my problem. I just, my marketing is bad. I hear this all the time. I, I just, I'm, I cannot drive on enough leads to my website. And I say, okay, what are your, what are your conversion numbers look like? What, how, how, what, you know, how are you convert? Oh, I don't know. I haven't looked at that, but I just need more leads. It's like, well, you don't know that because you haven't tested your sales mechanism because increasing your conversion rate by 5% with your current amount of leads, you might actually have a very profitable business. And then we readdress that, but you don't know that unless you're actually testing and looking at your data, looking at your numbers or whatever that looks like for whatever aspect of your business you're working on. And then continue to repeat that process. Now, I will layer that on top of one other thing that I think is important. And people, this is where they get kind of caught up with this because leaders, one aspect of it, and that's very important. Then it's, how do I decide what I should be working on next? Because people, what they'll do is they're aimlessly grabbing books and they're, or they're aimlessly going through courses or they're aimlessly listening to podcast episodes. And they're not really specific about the information they need for this particular season of their business right now. And what they do is they try to just make sure that everything is okay. There's no chaos, right? Things are stable. And the problem with that is, is that you're making sacrifices for other areas of your business that are the most important, that are going to be the next feasible steps for you to take profound growth in your business, right? And you may be putting that off and procrastinating on that because you're trying to make sure that you've got the fort held down, right? I hear that all the time. I'm holding down the fort, right? And I don't have time to do those things, but once I get everything under control, then I'm going to focus on that. So there's a book that I recommend. I don't know if you have it, but it, but highly recommend it. It's called The One Thing by Gary Keller. So Gary Keller is the founder of Keller Williams, which is a massive real estate empire that actually here where I am in Austin, Texas. And he did what I did. He went crazy. He got himself sick. He had to reinvent himself. What the one thing teaches you is of all the things you could be doing, what's the one thing right now, not forever, for right now, that is the most important thing, the single most important thing that you could be doing for your business to take whatever steps you need to be taking, right? What I talked about before, discernment, who you're listening to, where you're getting information, stuff like that. It also comes down to what's the highest level of impact that I need to insert myself and focus my energy on right now so that I can go through this process of mastering that so that I can then go on to something else. So you need to think of it as like, I'm building, a, I'm continuing to build this foundation. I'm putting these Lego, putting this Lego together, right? I'm not building like fancy little trinkets before I've built the foundation of this thing that I'm building, right? And that's what you need to constantly be focused on. And that's where it's so, such a radical mindset shift for people that have gone from job or school into running a business, but it's so fundamentally important is what do I work on? How do I decide what's most important to work on? Because I've never done this before. I have no idea what I should be working on. How do I even decide that? And then what's the mechanism that I work through 
to be able to make sure that I'm doing it appropriately, doing it the right way and making sure that it's built to last, built to sustain itself, not just I have added another thing to my list of daily to-dos. And that's a really, really hard thing for people to grasp and learn. But those are the two resources I'd recommend that you really think about as you're going through that process yourself. Yeah, thanks for those resources. I've read that book. Uh, great. I, I love real estate as well. So that's one of my other interests. Um, nice. Tell me a little bit about now that you've ran a couple businesses from you know, your service-based to now some online SaaS, I believe, community build, podcast, mm. what piqued your interest? Like what pushes you to go on to start something? And what's your today now, that one thing that you're working on? So I think uh, really important, and I don't remember what book this was from. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, honestly. And I've, I apologize to your audience for not knowing this. I've read so many books at this point, I don't remember. I, I, I want to say, I don't think it was Think and Grow Rich. But anyways, the bottom line is this. It had you identify what are the, the values that you associate with the most, right? So, so let's take this. Let's do some other assessments. You can do something like a 16 personalities. Uh, you can do your Enneagram, whatever. But like find out what's important to you, right? Like what are the biggest things that kind of light you up inside? And so for me, I realized it was two things, impact and influence, right? Those are the two massive things that like I really want to accomplish in my life, right? And so how do I do that? How do I create impact? How do I, how do I have influence? And you can quickly see, oh, I get it. I get why Chris has a podcast. I get why he's educating entrepreneurs because if I can impact other people and have an influence in their lives to go start a business, that has a chain reaction effect. Because now they can provide for themselves and they can say like, oh man, and their friends are inspired and then they want to do something right and people listen to it. So that's how I decided what I wanted to spend my time on. So everything that I do now is built around those two things. Can I create impact? Can I create influence from that? Now, it may be something different for you. It may be I want to create uh, freedom from the nine to five. And that's what I'm really worried about. As long as I don't have to go to a job, then I'm totally cool with that. So figure out what that looks like for you. And that is kind of the first thing. And I see this all the time, John, and I'm sure you see it too. People end up leaving a job, pursuing a business, not knowing if they're building a business around their life. So they build a life around their business. They become a prisoner to their own business. They literally create a life that they can't stand. And the reason is because they didn't identify or think about the factors that are actually important to them, the life that they want to create, and the values that they want to pursue, the things that are most meaningful to them. So despite the fact that the moving company did tremendously well, and we you know, exploded in growth and all those things, I built a business around, or my life around my business. Whatever the business needed, that's what I did. I, just, I called it feeding the beast, right? And I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. I hated it. I didn't have any freedom to do things that I wanted to do. And more importantly, I wasn't able to, um, I got away from impacting the, the, what, what really got me interested in that business to begin with, and I just didn't know it at the time, I was hiring college students and having an impact on them, giving them good, I mean, they're making $10, $12 an hour for college kids. Back then, that was tremendous. It's probably still good today, plus tips, right? But having an influence on their lives, seeing them go off and become doctors and lawyers and all the various things they were trying to do or successful businessmen and using that experience. I mean, you run a $100,000 project, installation project in college, and you go tell an employer that you're interviewing with, that you did that while you were in school, you talk about a huge resume builder. I mean, that's fantastic. So we get referral calls all the time. So I had to identify and I kind of found out through the process of discernment myself, that's what was important to me. And so that's what I spend most amount of my time on is how do I continue to do that? And how do I amplify that? Because that's what really lights me up and makes me happy. 
That's amazing. And I think you discovering it as you become more wise, living it with your perspective, right? And then understanding what are your challenges and, you know, what were the things that you could have done better? Reflecting, I would think. Um, A lot of people forget. They're always chasing. And they don't even know what they're chasing, right? They're going after more uh, prestige, more salary, more money, chasing maybe early days. I have no idea uh, why. During your college days, right? It was always like probably chasing girls, chasing whatever it is, right? Right. Right. But then as you become more wise, there's other foundation pieces. And if your dad was around or your mom, and there's people that really you you trust, right? That, you know, just put everything into like perspective and what they see and how you can think differently and how you want to be when you grow up, right? A lot of people don't even plan, let let alone have goals, right? Yeah. So as an entrepreneur, there's a huge risk and it's a huge undertaking. And a lot of people get into it, not even knowing what they don't know, yeah. yet alone. That's why the failure rate of business ownership is so high, right? Like they don't practice it. They don't have coaches, mentors. They don't have a community. They don't have people they can turn to. So yeah. when they go into this, they have no idea what even to do, right? How do you think yeah. differently? How to be decisive? How do you like react when there's situations? Yeah, and, and that's why the failures happen, right? Like they're yep. just not ready, and they didn't even take any strategic planning, right? Like yep. in terms of like understanding the audience, understanding the clients, the the message, avatar, all that stuff. Yeah, that's the reason they fail. No, you said a couple of things that are so important. I want to make sure I highlight. You talked about strategic planning. You talked about mentors and coaches. Oh my gosh, if you can power stack those two, and you can go through the process of understanding your market, you increase your chances for success by multitudes. Like I can't even just, I can't even explain how much more opportunity you give yourself to succeed in a business venture. If you do the things that John just said, and you power stack those together really and truly that is you're so much further ahead of the game. If you can just do those things. And a lot of people don't, right. And that's why there's no, they don't. so many failures in every, every business. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you can share with the audience members, what would you have, you know, some of the mistakes that you made, what would you have done differently? And, Oof. you know, some of the successes that you've made, like share with the audience, if you don't mind, um, okay. because I want to learn from you yourself, Chris, what, you know, some of the challenges you had. Right? Okay. So let's go in order. The first thing I would have done is embrace who I was because in college I was miserable. I was depressed. I was, I mean, I remember I called my mom and I cried and I was just like, mom, I just wish I was like everybody else. And I knew I knew that like what I was doing, trying to conform and fit inside the nine to five box, I've always known that wasn't me. So embracing who I was, was the first thing. And, and then, and this is kind of the practical step of that, surrounding myself, like if I was miserable and I didn't know what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be in the world and all this and that, there, there are clubs to get involved with, there are online programs you can, there are digital mentors, align yourself, whether it's entrepreneurship or not, find your people, find your people, because that that will normalize who you are and immediately you're going to feel it's so important. And I talk about the world right now and how crazy things are with politics and everything else. Like we've never been more divided, at least that I can remember. Right. And a big aspect of it is in my, there's this abyss of the internet and there's so the, 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 the degree of polarity of different views and belief systems and perspectives. It's so rampant that people are failing to feel understood in a sense of belonging right? I think it's a huge problem in the world right now. And the problem with that is that uncertainty leads to fear, 
Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hatred. And that, in my mind, that's the, what's, that's literally what we've seen happen. So when you don't do that, when you don't align yourself with people of similar values, of similar interests, of similar pursuits, all those various aspects, the problem is you start to feel like you don't belong anywhere. And that's a huge fundamental need for humans. That's on our hierarchy of needs. We really need to feel that. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is I would have figured out uh, this is what I want to do. I'm going to pursue this business, right? The moving company. And again, I relied on try hard, a lot of try hard, right? I'm just going to outwork everybody. And that's great. And I want you to have that attitude, that perspective, but you need to really understand what are the resources, your number one job as a business owner, what are the resources I need to put around myself so that I can succeed uh, with efficiency, right? And that's something I didn't do. So I was learning things the hard way through experience. And that's a fool's pursuit in business because those things the more you grow, the more that becomes painful. I learned how to manage cash flow, but I only learned how to manage cash flow when I was owed 65, or I'm sorry, reverse. I was owed $443,000. And within a 24 hour time span, I had to come up with $65,000 in payroll. And I had like $6,000 in my business account because of how much money I was owed. You learn how to manage cash flow, but it's extremely painful to do so, right? So I would have lined myself up with resources. Here's something that's important right now. I need to read the book, The One Thing. Then I need to go read, you know, all these other books about, I love Mike Michalowicz, Profit First. I, there's a million books. There's a million courses. There's a million things, podcasts, you name it. Align myself with a few that resonate with me that have a similar pursuit or similar thought process that I have and learn from them. And then be implementing that those things while I'm learning them. Because I'd rather have to learn things before I go fail. And I'll be a professional learner. I see it the other side. The other side of that is you don't do anything. You're too scared to do anything. You just learn all the time. But have a nice balance that's why I like leader, right? Because learn, invent, test, re test, repeat. It makes you go through that cyclical process. But make sure you're putting resources around you to succeed. That's your number one job as a business owner is what do I need? What does Chris need? What does John need to succeed as a business owner? That's your number one job. And go get those things. Go put them around you. And then the last part is this, is you need to find, it's great to have digital mentors. It's great. And those people like listen to the show or whatever, that's fantastic. Eventually, you need to hire somebody. You need to hire a coach. And I say that because this, once you hit growth, it becomes, everything becomes so much, every decision you make, it now has other people's lives at stake. Not their actual literal lives. You're not going to die, but their livelihoods, right? My business, when I have hundreds of employees, right? If I don't make good decisions, they, it's impacted. They're impacted by that. Now they don't have work or they don't have as much work or they got to go find a new job and that can have a big impact on their lives, specifically my salaried employees. You need to have somebody that has navigated those trains before that can help you see things that you are not seeing. It's so easy as a business owner to have the blinders go up, right? We're so in the trenches and then somebody gives us perspective from an outside perspective, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, how have I been missing this for two years? And then more importantly, and this is the main thing you need to think about, What's the opportunity cost? That is my number one fear in business now is what was my opportunity cost in those nine months it took me to figure this out. I like to go through the process of having epiphany moments and breakthroughs and getting to the point of this is what's going to work or this is what's not going to work to make iterative changes to what I'm doing, to make incremental progress with what I'm doing, not staying in a state of, wow, I've really been missing the A-ball for a whole year and a half. And look at how much better we could have done. Look at how much more we could have grown. Look at the opportunities that we missed out on. That is so fundamentally important. The way you do that is have accountability partners. You have masterminds. You have business coaches. People really, really, really 
underestimate the power of having those things in their lives and how much it can literally ramp up what you're doing. And you may say, I can't afford those things right now. Business coaches, I mean, I charge $10,000 a month to work with me. I focus on people that that are hitting growth stages and hitting scale, but there are other people out there I also sell programs that don't cost $10,000 a month, right? And that's maybe where you start with somebody. It doesn't have to be me. It can be anybody. It can be John. It can be whoever. But you need to be going through the process of figuring out, I know I can't afford this right now, but what can I afford? And then how can I work towards affording that? Because you, it, it's like trying to do brain surgery without having to gone through the classes to learn how to do brain surgery. Like how long do you think it's going to take you to figure that out on your own? And why would you try to figure it out on your begin with? It makes no sense. That's so stupid, right? People have been successful and they've left clues and they're there to help you figure out how you get to that point. That's how you succeed. So those are the biggest mistakes that I made uh, throughout my process of any business I've been in, right? But specifically early on, those were the biggest mistakes that I've made. And there's some more nuance to it, but those are the big ones that I would do differently. Yeah. It's, it's great that you're sharing this, like the tribes, the community. And then of course, like making action, taking action, taking risks. Yeah. Huge, right? And then yeah. seeking out people that are much more, a couple steps ahead of you or, you know, maybe very wise. Like I try to connect and, uh, you know, speak and have fun and have so many social circles, right? right? Of business owners from 50, 60, 70, 80 year olds, different perspectives. And for that gives you a, a better way to kind of think about where you can be when you're at their age, how they think, right? Yeah. What they would have done differently. And have a mixture of people that you're mentoring as well, right? Or coaching. Because then you feel so much better when you're actually helping others get them closer to their goals, right? So giving back is huge, right? Philanthropy or whatever it is. I totally agree Um, with that. That's a great addition to what I said. 100% giving back is so important. Yeah, like having fun though, right? Like this is your life. So you better control it and have, you know, freedom. And a lot of people who don't live with, you know, fear and they're, they're stuck, right? Living a nine to five or entrepreneurship, they're in the business and they're putting blinders out, like you mentioned, like you don't have a clue how many people out there are going through the exact same challenges. you. Yes, are. exactly. And mm-hmm. if you don't reach out, how do you know what's out there? Exactly. There's so many resources, communities, books, mentors, yeah. coaches, whatever, masterminds, yeah. facial conferences, because there's so much out there and this is a world that a lot of entrepreneurs don't even know exists. I know. And I'm glad you say that because something that I heard recently, maybe you heard this too from Brendan Burchard, he said, and I've been really repeating it a lot because I think it's so true. People aren't afraid to pursue their dreams. No, that, that's easy to say. Oh, I'm pursuing my dream of being a business owner. Like that's virtuous, right? What they're afraid of is being seen getting started. Yeah. And so a lot of people are too embarrassed. I actually just had a conversation on my show. Uh, they do outsource, you know, bookkeeping and stuff like that. She said the people, most of the time, they, they don't come to us. They come to us like years and years later, you know, when they actually had, a, they needed help with their books because they were too embarrassed by the fact that their books were out of order. It's like, dude, you're starting a business. Why would your books be in order? Like what kind of weird, I would actually tell you, you have spent way too much time focusing on your books. You need to focus on making sales. It's expected that it's going to be a mess. You're a startup business. And, and we tell ourselves these crazy stories that everything should be perfect, right? We're like embarrassed. And so don't be afraid to be seen getting started. Like what John said, I think that's so important because we're all, we've all been there. We've all done it. There's no judgment. And in fact, I'll validate that. One of the reasons, and I, I live in Austin, as I mentioned, 
One of the reasons that a lot of people have theorized as to why Austin has become such an amazing hub for entrepreneurship growth is because of one thing and one thing only. And it's kind of that Texas spirit. Like Texas is, Texas like redefines Southern hospitality. Like I've experienced Southern hospitality. Texas like takes it to a next level. Like I legit was like weirded out by how nice people were here. I was like, what are you, are you trying to sell me like on an MLM? Like, why are you being so nice to me? And they have taken that embodiment of the culture here. And they focused on like, how do I help other people? Like, what can I lend to you? How can I help you out? Can you grab, it's cross-pollination. It's so powerful. And business ownership is one of the loneliest pursuits that one could ever take on. And especially now with COVID and everybody staying home and, you know, it's great. I love the people working from home, but now you've got to be even more intentional about community and, and cross-pollinating with people and sharing ideas and going through your challenges together and seeking advice and wisdom and all these various things. So um, anyways, I'm not trying to rehighlight what you said, but I thought it was important. Yeah. And you mentioned mindset, right? That thought process of uncertainty, yeah. un- not knowing because yes, everyone's going through similar actions. It's like, do something about it. Like what is going yeah. on in your mind to prevent you from asking? Yes, yeah. you're afraid. <laughs> and a lot of people analyze to crazy amounts of time, right? And they never take action. So yeah. the analysis process, very similar to like, if you're going to go to, you know, on a date or you're going to buy and rent a home or rent and buy a, a car or whatever it is, right? Like right. people analyze it to death. They spend way more time analyzing, but they don't even take that action, right? Yeah. Of putting in the deal or offer or whatever, or ask people out, right? Like whatever yeah. you are in life, like you got to do something to know if you failed or not. And right. no one's going to remember it anyways. So right. you might as well learn. But a lot of people are afraid of the unknowns, right? Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because people, people, the motivation is the big one, right? I just need to be more motivated. And it's like, okay, why would you assume that you could do nothing, complete inaction, and then all of a sudden motivation just spawns out of what? Because all of a sudden you woke up one day and drank the right coffee. Like motivation comes from an action, right? Feeling empowered comes from an action feeling like, so you're absolutely right. hundred percent, whatever it is you feel like you're lacking, what can you put in motion to spawn that desired outcome, right? Like how do you manifest that through action, right? And seeking out the resources you need. If you want to feel, I always tell people this. If you want to be a better marketer, you feel like you don't understand marketing. Okay, what can I do to feel empowered that I'm a better marketer, right? And I just, it, it baffles me that it's so complex for us to be like, yeah, I need to level up my mindset. I need to think differently, but I'm going to do that by sitting in the same office, in my same house, having the same conversations with the same people. Like, in what, how, how does that happen? You have to change the environment. You have to change the conversations. You have to change who you associate with, and you have to be very strategic about it, 100%. But it's it's okay to fail, right? It's okay 100%. to step yeah. outside your comfort zone. That was a tough to learn, one. Make mistakes, and the more you fail, the more you're gonna, you know, more rejection you have. Yeah. The more confident you're gonna become. Yeah. The more comfortable you're gonna become in taking more risks. Right. And that's one thing a lot of entrepreneurs are, you know, whenever they encompass a failure or a rejection, they give up. Yeah. 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 You asked me one of the mistakes. I would add that probably is a maybe like a, a, a 1A mistake is how I viewed 
failure, right? Because exiting the moving company, exit, it was a failure, guys. Let's call it what it was, right? Like I had to close that business and move on because it just wasn't good, right? I was in a, I was in a not a good place. So let's call it what it was. It was a failure, right? But looking at it that way, um, as a business owner, as you become more mature as an entrepreneur, what you realize is that businesses are like commodities. There's a season that they do well. There's a season they provide utility and income and revenue and what have you. And then maybe you move on and it's okay. They just look at it like it's like gold or silver. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to write up the value of it. I'm going to do this with it. And that really changed a lot for me. And so that should give you permission. It's not an extension of yourself. It's not your baby. It's okay if it's ugly right now, right? But so many people, they're just unwilling to do what you said, which is to just get out there and try and fail. And if you do, it's fine. It's probably going to lead to something else or something bigger, better than you would plan for. And in business ownership, change is good. As long as you strategically plan it, right, and you plan it, and that's why people who fail don't really know what they're changing, right? right? So if you actually are understanding what the audience and what people intent, focus, users yeah. want, and you have an offering or a service or product for them, then it's good to always pivot or change your service offering. So right. understanding all that in business, it's like in life, you can't be still and expect better outcome right you need to constantly evolve in different mm -hmm. situations involve different people circumstances as you mature as you become more wise hopefully as you grow and learn more you're gonna get things understand things and why things happen but you right. gotta take action so like you mentioned so well just said. a couple of little things right at the end um yeah. i know we're running out of time sure. thanks a lot for all your time chris and valuable mm -hmm. insights um, what are some of the major pillars in your life today that you want to share uh, besides business, of course, and impact? I know you mentioned that quite a bit and influence. Um, and where do you see yourself in five, 10 years? Okay. So the biggest thing I could say is this, uh, and, and I'm going to stick to this one because I think it's so important. We can get into some other aspects of it too. But the first thing, and I mentioned it before, but I want to make sure that we really articulate it is habits. I'm a huge, huge, I read I read the book, The Power of Habit, and it just changed my whole perspective because I understood the brain science of what a habit and a good habit and a set of habits can do for you. And we are creatures of habit, and I'm going to prove that to you. Think about when you were in college, and the first day of class, everybody chose a seat. Now, what's crazy is if you think about it, most people either sat in the exact same seat or in the same general area for the remainder of that semester. There were no assigned seats. This is college. You can do whatever and sit wherever you want. It's we, because we are creatures of habits and we're more firmly entrenching those habits as time you know, continues, right? So people, specifically in business ownership, they rely too much on discipline and willpower. We overstate that dramatically. And I'm not saying that they don't play a part in the, the discussion or the equation, but, but it, it's not, a, we overstate the importance of that. We assume that people that are successful business owners, they just have this tenacious willpower and they're just disciplined and they're getting up at 4.30 in the morning and they're just on it. You know, Jocko Willink, every morning, 4.30, right? And the reality is, is that what they found, and this is not my opinion, this is what the actual studies have found, that what, these, what the most successful people do, they're not more disciplined than you. They don't more willpower than you. They strategically use willpower and discipline to build new habits that lead to the outcomes that they desire. So I am constantly trying to, you're either building good habits, you're building bad habits. I'm constantly trying to eradicate bad habits and build the habits that I want that lead to the results that I desire. Some people are focused on the external and that's all they want to focus on, right? 
the business. Oh, I just need more sales, or I just need more of this, or I just need more of that. I need one Facebook, I need to learn how to Facebook, do Facebook ads. Okay, well, that's probably reality. That's probably a situation. But how do we build the habit around you every day doing the same routine, putting the things in your life that are going to make you a successful human being, regardless of what you do, right? Like, how do you become the most productive, badass person that you can be that manifests into you doing the behaviors? that lead to you acquiring the skills and possessing the, the uh, resources you need to do whatever those external things are. So that's the first thing. I am a, a borderline obsessive about the things I'm doing and building in those habits. I am like clockwork at this point, John. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a human, I, I falter. But pretty much if you look at my day, I try to structure every single day the same way, start every day the same way. I use my planner, my focus, focus planner every day, I go to the gym at the same time, I mean, it's really, really nuanced so that I am putting in place, you need to treat yourself like one of your employees. How do I build a structure for myself that allows me to succeed? And that starts with habits. So that is fundamentally the most important thing that I do. Now, let's talk about some of the other things, right? Because that, that's all well and good. We talked about health. Health has become kind of the, the center of my universe in a lot of ways, right? It's like faith, family, and health, right? Like it's very, very important to me that, that I am you can want to do the things that you want to do, right? But at a certain point, you've got to have every big thing, every big outcome requires big energy. If you don't have big energy, forget about it. It's not going to happen. So fundamentally, so important. Uh, there's a million resources I could, rec- I could recommend to you, but I'll give you one that I would look into. Uh, the, book called, the book called Boundless by Ben Greenfield. I love Ben Greenfield. Follow him online, follow him on Instagram, go through it. It is literally the encyclopedia of health. There, he's got it. He's got it. He knows. John knows. John's my people. He knows. That book right there, it, here's the deal. Entrepreneurship, <clears throat> what you're expecting to do out of yourself compared to just a ch- typical nine to five, you are expecting so much more output than the average person. And that's not to dismiss or mitigate their significance in the world. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But the level of stress and demand and output that you're expecting out of yourself, you can't and just expect that your body's gonna be able to do it because you desire it to be, right? When we talk about action versus inaction, You need to counterbalance your expectations with what your body needs. Your body is your vessel. Your body is the instrument and the vehicle to your successes in whatever it is that you do. So if you looked at my pantry, you'd be like, this person is a crazy person. Like there's nothing in there. I promise you nothing in there that you're probably, that that you would see uh, that you'd be like, wow, this isn't like a superfood or something really healthy. Or there's no nonsense, no nonsense. My sleep habits, I wear biometric devices like crazy. I'm measuring everything I'm doing labs every six months, if not more frequently than that. I spend like five, $6,000 a year on labs. So bottom line is this, I have big goals. I know it requires big energy. So I counter that with big action, period. Health is so important. Last thing I would mention is this, your relationships. And that starts with your faith, your relationship with God or whatever it is, right? It could be the universe, it could be whatever you want to be. I don't know how you do entrepreneurship without a belief in something bigger than yourself. Because when the going gets tough and it's going to get tough, you're going to fail way more than you succeed. We've talked about that. When that happens, you have to have some kind of divine purpose in the reason behind what you're doing that, ex- that, that, it, that extends beyond you, the, the, the physical being in this world, right? And I'm not trying to sound like crazy woo-woo, but it, it really is real. And I, I would have quit a long time ago if it weren't for that. And next is your relationships, right? So my wife is everything, right? Like she is my, my partner in crime, so to speak. And that relationship is so important. My friendships are so important. My masterminds, my mentors, all those people are so important. If you can do those things, habits, health, 
relationships, right? And there's a lot of things that fall into those two, those, those three buckets. But if you can start mastering those, whether you end up being a successful business owner or you end up being an executive somewhere or you end up doing whatever it is you're doing, if you can get those three things down, I can almost promise you're going to succeed. It's just a matter of to the degree at which you succeed. That's amazing. Thanks a lot for all your time, Chris. How can some of the audience members get in touch with you as well as do you have something that you would like to share in terms of what you're working on that people can check out? Yeah. So I'd invite you guys. And this is something like really, really brand new. Uh, we really wanted to help people because I was having, I was working with so many clients that they just had gotten a lot of bad information, right? I talked about that a lot, just bad data and people just trying things because they found it online and not really determining like, is this really what I should be doing? And so we had to undo a lot of really toxic stuff that people had picked up along the way as far as running a business and making the transition. And I found people like blowing through their life savings and really ended up in some bad situations, right? And helping them get out of it. So we did create a, a, a brand new class. It's called How to Get Your First 100 Customers in Just 100 Days Without Breaking the Bank, Even If You're Starting from Scratch. I know it's a mouthful, but it's important that we include all those words. <laughs> so I'm going to invite you guys to check that out. You can get your invite to that by, by, by grabbing our Ultimate Startup Checklist download. So it's USC. USC, like ultimate startup checklist, download.com. That gives you a seven page PDF of all the things you should be doing to successfully transition to running a business. Uh, and then you'll immediately be added to the enrollment for that class, for that, that get your first 100 customers class. You can check that out. I'd highly recommend you guys check out. It's 100% free. Literally, you're going to pay nothing to get, it's like a 45 minute class of just really uh, awesome information, if I do say so myself. Uh, and then as far as everything else goes, social media at hey, like hello, hey, CMH. And then heycmh.com for my website. And then the last thing I'd ask you guys to do is do my friend John here a favor. Uh, running a podcast, you guys see the cool part of it, of like having the actual conversation. What you don't see is the other stuff, the research, the editing, the stuff in post, all the other things that John has to do. And I know because I do it myself. So I have a favor to ask and take you 27 seconds, I promise. And you can tag me on social media and be like, Chris is a liar if it takes more than that. Whatever podcast app you're on, you're going to do two things. And I'll tell you why. You're going to hit subscribe and you're going to leave a quick review. You can literally just say great chat. That's all you have to do. And the reason is because podcast apps look for two things when they determine where to rank shows on their platforms. They look for new subscribers and look for new reviews. So if you do that for John, if he's helped you out at all and provide any value, it's like leaving a tip for your waiter or your waitress and it's free for you to do it. And it takes 30 seconds. So I'd appreciate it if you do that for John. Chris, that's amazing. <clears throat> Thanks a lot. I mean, all the show notes will include all the links that you just mentioned and for people to reach out with you. Um, that, that plug at the end, I should include it myself, but, mm -hmm. but that's amazing. Thanks a lot, Chris. Yeah. Um, and I really want to thank you for all the valuable insights and tips and tricks and success stories and some of the stuff that you shared really valuable stuff. Thanks a lot for all your time. And, um, Great, great conversation, I would say. Yeah, man, you're great at this. I hope people tune into your show because you really know what you're talking about. You do a good job, so I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. We'll be in touch, but thanks a lot. Uh, if you're ever in Toronto, come visit. Let's go. Uh, it's I in, will be there. I know it's one of your bucket lists, so yep. let's do this. Uh, right, thanks buddy. a lot, Chris. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to The Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs.